Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, Blog Talk listeners. Tom Hayes here in Boston, Massachusetts. Exciting, exciting show. I've been waiting for this for weeks. This gentleman has kept me my nose to the grindstone. <laughs> Tony Davies from the UK, oh, a great guy, fun guy, actor, ex-Bobby, ex now author, published author yes. of a novel, uh, historian, I could go on forever, Tony. Welcome to the yeah. show. Thank you, thank you. So this is your third time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've done two different guises, so this is me as 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 me, as opposed to Sergeant <laughs> Ryan and Sergeant God. That's right. The first time you were as a uh, recruiter for the for World War One. That was Sergeant. Uh, what was That's it? Riley. That's Sergeant Ryan, the recruiting sergeant. And then, uh, you, of course, you'll be you the inspector for the. Uh, for the Jack the Ripper, chasing Jack the Ripper. Yeah, they're going into schools, and um, I had to go in as, as Sergeant Riley, as the World War One recruiting sergeant, and scare the bejesus out of the, the kids because I don't come out of character at all. And wow. uh, all I all I go in as, as Sergeant Godley, who who is chasing Jack the Ripper um, in foggy old London, Victorian London. You know, it was interesting. I thought of you the other night. I was watching one of the BBC beautiful uh, series or movie, whatever, and um, they made an egregious error. They said they talked about the fact that they caught Jack the Ripper. They solved the crime, and, of course, nobody has solved the crime. No, there's lots of theories, lots of theories. I mean, there's a new theory every week as to who's done it. And, um, of course, don't tell Jane, but I buy the book. Um, and um, so I... <laughs> Uh, I, I must have, I'm looking at my shelf here, I must have 25, 30 books on him at the moment. Um, but they, well, I, I liked out. your recent post to, uh, I think it was Facebook, as to that you, maybe you have to tell Jane, your, your, yeah. your wonderful wife, how much of this stuff really cost in case anything yeah. happens. Yeah, if, if I die, I hope she doesn't sell it for what I told her I bought it for. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, my 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 um, room now is look more like a museum than than anything else. I think. Oh, people that's tend great. To, if they if they I love um, the... go ahead. People have stuff that they don't want or or whatever relating to World War One, and they say, "Do you want it?" And I say, "Yes." So, um, <laughs> I came home with a World War One stretcher the other day. <laughs> a so, stretcher? Yes. Yeah, a stretcher. So um, that, that's sort of in in the shed at the moment. I don't quite know what to do what to do with that. Well, you know, say <laughs> that because we're getting up in years. You never know when you pay off. Well, exactly. Well, I, I was I was reenacting it last last year. Reenacting in, in in my hometown of Nutsford here, and um, I, we were in World War One kit, and um, I slipped and I broke my. <laughs> oh, wrist. that's right. You fell across so, the floor in a bakery, right? Yeah, so I ended up sort of, um, but I couldn't go to hospital for about eight hours because we were acting and whatever. And so, yeah, that stretcher would have come in handy, I think, if we'd have took it, <laughs> took it down. <laughs> you. You're okay now that uh, they yeah, all got yeah, solved? Yeah, my, my, my wrist is, is yeah, well, it's as, as well as it's going to be. So yeah, I broke it in four places when I landed on it. So, yes, yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Well, I love the... Uh, the, the, the wit of the Brits and the, the whole Celtic uh, area. They saw a posting on Facebook again, and I, I have to tell I told this, as you know, I'm a performer, comedian. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. did on stage the other night. The story about Bono performing in Scotland. Did no, you hear this? 
No? Yeah, true, true story. He's on stage, and he's doing this rock concert, and, you know, that Bono has his causes and feels that everybody should uh, empathize yeah. with his causes. So he, he makes the, uh, darkens the uh, stadium and asks for complete silence and stands up there, puts the spotlight on him, and he starts to clap his hands. And he says to the audience, he says, every time, he says, every second that I do that, he says, every time I do that, another child in Africa dies. And he continues to clap, and this little distant voice way in the back of this 20,000-seat uh, stadium says, well, why don't you stop it, you evil okay. bastard? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. It, all, you have to be careful about what you say when in public, as you know. You know, you you say something, there'll always be some clever person with that that comeback at you. You know, and, and quite often, you. I mean, I I I'm used to it now, but I just you just kind of, yeah, okay. How do I respond to that, or do I respond to it? You know. <laughs> He had half a sense of humor. He would have yes. pulled yes. it over Stop. with laughter. Stop clapping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you stop it, you evil yes. bastard? <clears throat> oh my goodness! So, you know, I uh, we're going to talk about the book. I I totally did. Well, I'll let you do the pitch. You can do. Tell us the, the name of the book, where that people can get it, and the uh, website and uh, the blogs, oh. whatever, whatever you got on this. But the, the the book is called Reese's War. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, it's available sort of in bookshops here in the UK. Um, it hasn't reached Barnes and Noble yet, I'm afraid, over in the US. Um, but yeah, it's on Kindle. Um, and uh, it, it's I mean, I'm quite I'm very pleased with the reviews that have gone on on, on Amazon. That that that, that um, people seem to have taken it on board and really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I had I had a ball writing it. It just because it, it just kind of flowed out. It, it it wasn't really hard work. The research before it kind of was. I mean that that was getting the, the facts right and getting the dates right and getting because when you're writing about real people, um, if if it's a mix of real people and and, and fictional, uh, you have to kind of make sure you get the dates right of of people doing stuff. So that that was that was good. And um, I mean I, I do have I think. Last count, 475 books on World War One. So, um, the, the facts are there somewhere, you know. Um, so that 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 was it. Um, and it did flow quite well. It, it it only took a very short space of time to write it, and then it's pitching it to um, to uh, to publishers, and a publisher picked it up, and and it got published in November of last year, and the reviews have been have been great, and I, I'm I'm dead sure. So I'm now. Um, Planning out the second one. So Reese well, you know, it's to... um, there's the story, there's Reese's War, and then yours, your story, which the backstory is, is every bit as amazing as the novel itself. I mean, and I have to tell you that the last time we spoke, you had just written it, and I was intrigued by some of the the prose that you used, which is almost like poetry. <laughs> and you said to me that you wrote it in four months, and I'm thinking, yeah. how is that possible? And yet. Uh, I did the same. I mean, I wrote my novel, and I'm in just in the process of editing it right now, which is interesting. But so, the, I mean, there's so many things I want to touch on here, especially for our listeners, because I'm, I've always been talking about writing and what a. In fact, I saw 
uh, our program last night, uh, again, one of these series, and uh, the, the, the protagonist was talking about the fact, oh, no, I was, yes, I was reading a, a bit on, uh, I think it was uh, Steinbeck, yeah. who said that not only when he was writing, one of the, he, I think it was East of Eden when it was so difficult, they got one of his most difficult books, that he kept a daily journal of it. Yeah. And yeah. he talked about the, in fact, I read a whole book about the therapeutic uh, practice of writing with a pen yeah. and a good writing instrument and, and cursive and how that is a healing and um, a way to get in touch with the, the higher part of yourself. Well, that, and, that's, uh, how I, that's how I do it. Um, yeah, you I, do that yourself? I, yeah, I write, I write with a pen. I write with a fountain pen. You have um, that book with the fountain pen? Yeah. Get out yeah. of here! No, honestly. Um, <laughs> I wrote, write, I write with a fountain pen, and then, then when, I've, when I'm happy with what I've written, I then transfer it onto a computer. So, and, wow. And, but it does change. I mean, it does alter slightly when it goes onto the computer because I see stuff that, that perhaps of course, of course. doesn't fit or it's wrong or whatever. But and then and then obviously when like you're doing it now, what, what I can't do is edit 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 it myself um, because you're too close to it. Of course you are. And you you see stuff that 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 it really isn't there. I mean, even down to putting there and there the the, the wrong the wrong word. Well, can I tell you, can I text something miraculous that I found? You know, you know. Again, we're going to talk about the novel, and it's it's fascinating because there's some passages I want to read and have you explain. But th- this process, and again, this is what um, the magic that happens along the way. I, um, you know, do you feel guided at times? That yes. you know, you're being. You must feel that way. Yes, I do, and and um, it's it's a bizarre thing. I mean, and. I did it the other day. Um, I was in uh, a large cathedral um, as a World War One soldier, and I always feel very nervous about doing this because you are portraying some some living characters. I mean, even even George Riley, the character I portray, is a real character from my village. He was killed in 1917. But but when I go to these things, um, if I can, and I was in a, a local um, library as well. Um, doing this stuff, which I'll speak about later. But what I try and do, I, I went over to the World War One memorial to the fallen lads, and I prayed in front of that memorial, just 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 a quick prayer, saying, you know, thank you for what you did, and blah blah blah. And then then I go and do my stuff, and I feel this is going to sound terribly bizarre, but I feel that these guys are either watching and guiding me. Um, to what I say, because I'll say stuff that I don't even know where it's come from, right. you know, that, 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 that about the war. And I, I, I've read, I mean, it must be in there somewhere. I've read it, you know, and it's in the back of my mind somewhere. Um, but I'll say stuff and, and I think, well, that was good. <laughs> you know, and the same when you're writing. I mean, I write, I write, I'm writing stuff and, and I say, I read it back to myself. and think, wow, that, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't understand where that, where that. I, I'm on a storyline and I'm, I'm not quite sure where it's going. And suddenly there'll be a punchline at the end of it. Thing, it, I don't even know how I got to that. You know, and it's bizarre. And yes, I, I do feel guided, and I do, I do feel very honoured to, to be honouring these guys. Um, 
in, in what I do, particularly with, as 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 Riley, I'd gone into schools and and at the moment, just digressing slightly, we are a friend of mine, and we're researching all 22,000 lads from Cheshire that fell in World War One. Wow! And we are doing a, a roll of of all the lads that fell from my county in Cheshire, 22,000. Um, wow. And we're individualising them and, and find out where they were on the day and what was happening on the day if we can and stuff like that. So these guys are, although they died 100 years ago now, they, they are very important to me. And they do, I do have a connection with them and I hope they have a connection with me. And um, when I do start writing as, as, uh, and bring Reese back into into life in the, in the second novel they will be there again just just to shove me in the right direction <laughs> you know you will need to go this way or that way so fingers crossed for that well you know i you're preaching to the choir because you know i've been studying this for years um you know when my own story is you know i, I had a disease and a cancer that i tell people now that it's dawning on me it wasn't just a cancer it was a terminal disease because if 100 kids got it, only 95, 95 died. Wow. So five made it. So, you know, yeah. there's a miracle. So you start yeah, to, yeah. you have to question, you know, why me and why not the, the others? And so you start to believe in something bigger than yourself. And so for all my life, um, you know, I've I've known that. I've, I've, I feel that, that, yeah. that there is a yeah. master plan, that there is a destiny, that there is something bigger than the flesh and blood and bones, you know. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And so, you know, I've, I've I've read spiritual books all my life, and you know, you hear about this, you hear about the channeling, you hear about, you know, the magic, and you hear about, you know, uh, some some uh, artists and authors do exactly what you're saying. They invite that spirit, that character, into their writing, you know, at the time of the writing, and then. Like you say, the magic happens, and I want to tell the readers, you know, I mean, I found uh, a book called Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg, which changed my life. Mm-hmm. And she talked about finding your own voice, and she talked about just a simple practice of writing. She's a Zen Buddhist, and just as she meditates, she makes sure that she writes every single day. And I started to do that with the hope that someday it would turn into something, that I would write something of note. Yeah. And here I am. Like you, you know, I'm 69, we'll be 69 soon, and I wrote a novel, and that was never, ever within my scope of, of things that I wanted or even thought possible, and, and the same with you, you do this. So I think with this program, you know, and again, we'll get to the book, but we want to tell people, it's, first of all, it's never too late. I hated school. I mean, I hated it with a vengeance. I don't think I went for the last year. Um, I just detested school completely, um, and any, any chance to bunk up school, I would. Um, and I remember once writing this essay, and it was—I even remember the title of the essay. It was "How I Won a Medal for Bravery," and I—I I, I wrote this about this 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 soldier, and I really enjoyed writing it. And I produced this this thing. I gave it to the teacher. The teacher looked at it and said, where did you copy this from? And threw my, ah! book, threw my book across. I remember throw, she threw it across the classroom. And, and it was the only time I've ever engaged <laughs> in school. And I thought, well, 
sod it. That's it. You've you, you've lost me completely now. And and I, I left school. The only I mean, I hated it. And I left school w- with nothing. I mean, I didn't have a qualification to my name. Um, so I joined the police force. <laughs> there was nothing else left for us. Um, which says which, which in, says a lot about the police force. In, but go ahead. <laughs> in, in the UK, it, um, it wasn't a job that people really wanted. It was very poorly paid, and and um, nobody really wanted to be a bobby in 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 the seventies. Well, very early seventies, nineteen seventy, I joined. Um, so um, you you have to be able to breathe, um, and that was it. So and I I did this little test at, at my local police station and 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 joined and and. I loved every minute of it. I mean, if if you cut me in half now, it'd be like a piece of Blackpool rock. It'll have policemen written all the way through me. Um, but I mean, I, and I always, up until a few years ago, always referred to myself as a retired police officer. That that's how I identified myself, and give myself an identity that I was a retired police officer. Having said that, now you know I've been retired quite a, a number of years and I can now say well I'm I'm a historian an author and all those other things but still in the back of my mind I'm a policeman you know it, it's strange but I've, I've been able to move on luckily and, and do other stuff and, and go other places um, but it, it's, it's strange that, that you look at now that I'm having done that in school you know been terrible at school to where I am today. Actually, I would just wish my old English teacher was still alive, <laughs> so that I could just post her that book and say, "Here you go, there it is." You know, or the, I should say, the four books because I've I've written four books now. Um, three are are non-fiction um, about World War One and local lads that were killed in World War One, but. This this fiction, but I would just like to go up to it and say, "Here you go, love." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I know you know something. Don't you find that um, this whole process of writing, and again, it's so magical. You start to look back on those people, and you say, "Boy, in spite of her degradation and the obstacle and the adversity of that individual, in some ways, she she proved to be great motivation, didn't she?" Yeah, in a, in a way, it, looking back on it and saying yes, I, I suppose I could say that she she. I mean, she certainly to motivate me. No. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, motivating you in the spark that she gave you the resistance to. Yeah. Right. Looking back on it now, I can turn around and say, well, yes, she she motivated me to actually do it. Um, in a strange sort of way, in a, in a reverse sort of way. Yes. I yes. Did, yes. But, um, it it's. I mean, I found education very late. I mean, I I, I was a policeman, and, and so although law was important and learning the law was important, um, actual education didn't come to me until I was probably well into my 30s, and the police force decided that I, sh- I should become a trainer and actually go and teach the recruits in training school. And that's when I found education, when I was probably 38. So, and that's when I could actually learn stuff and, and want to learn stuff. Um, when I was when I was well into my almost forty, by the time I decided, yes, I want to learn, and I got um, 
a cert ed so I could become a teacher and all sorts of stuff like that I could do. Um, but I never used it. But, I mean, it, you know, this, it, it, you're never too late. It's never too late to learn. Never. And, and never. you know, what, what a time when, especially in the States here, at college education has become ridiculous. I mean, kids are getting out of school with $200,000 in debt, and uh, there's no way they're ever going to recoup that, yeah. you know, in a pecuniary way. But, you know, I try to steer people. I mean, those of us who did go through the formal education realize that 60 to 70% of what you took was a waste. Absolutely. Uh, by unqualified people, the subject matter was ridiculous, and you don't remember a thing. And then, you know, I'm trying to tell people your story and so many others, and even my own story, that the stuff that I learned after school, uh, yeah. and, you know, when you look at people like Steve Jobs and, you know, that, that they quit, they go there and they realize that they've, these institutions have nothing to teach them, yeah. you know, maybe a few things, and then they move on. So, I mean, your story is, is perfect for the times to it's, tell it's people. Right. You, 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 as soon as you leave school, that's when you learn. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember I, I, I did 13 weeks when I joined the police force. We had to go on a training course for 13 weeks. And they taught you all this law and whatever. And, and I remember walking into my first police station, having, having done this 13-week course, walking into the police station, and I, I, I could literally feel everything leaking through my ears of everything that I'd learned. It had gone. You know, and, and I walked up to my, my first sergeant. He said, uh, you, right, you've been to training school, forget it. Forget <laughs> everything you've learned in training school. Now you're in the real world. And I thought, oh, my goodness, now, now I've got to start learning again. <laughs> but, but it it never true. ends. You learn from, from day one. Um, when I walked into that, that police station on day one, that's when I started learning um, right. about people and about, you know, stuff like that. It, it was just amazing, an absolutely amazing 30 years, really. Well, let's, you know, let's get back to this master plan because I'm a real believer in this now. I mean, when you, again, Steve Jobs has this great thing, you know, you never know where the dots in your life will connect looking forward. Mm -hmm. Yet, when you get to a certain point, you'll be able to look backward and it will all make sense. Yeah. And so I really believe that the, even to this point where we're having this moment right now or this telephone conversation, this radio show, and we're, you know, and, and, and lately it's dawned on me we can transcribe these things and they make a, they'll make a great book someday because there's so much, mm. everything in here is very pithy. I mean, it's very yeah. meaningful to hear a case study of somebody like you who, you know, didn't like school and took your own path. But don't you feel that this is exactly what you were supposed to be doing and it yeah. is what you're supposed to be doing and that all of the experiences led to this moment? Yeah, I'm sure it. I'm sure it has. I mean, I I couldn't do what I'm doing today in any other way. Uh, having having had the life I've had um, and the experiences I've had have brought me to this place, and and even down to um, relationship with Jane. I mean, that 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 suddenly became a cornerstone, you know, and and it was. Strange because you know wasn't looking for a relationship and then bam you hit between the eyes you you've got a relationship everything else fell fell by the wayside or the careers and whatever and and we became this 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 unit you know just amazing 
And so you build on that, and looking back, and and you see, you, like Job said, you, the dots, you can see them all joined. It, it's certainly not a straight line, but they're all joined, and, and, and then it brings you to here. But when you look forward, it's like, you know, going back to the, the analogy of writing, you, you've got this blank page, and there's nothing more frightening than that blank page. You know, when you go, what, what am I going to do? When I, and like I said to you before, the only thing to do is start writing. And it doesn't you know, matter what you write. I want to stop you, know. you there because at the most difficult parts in my journey with this novel was your words came back to me over and over and over. Um, so, you know, this is why I love doing what we're doing right now and hope that some aspiring writer out there, some who's on their path, and especially in the later years, and doesn't know to. But I would hear you at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning saying, when I was stuck, and you had said, had said to me, just keep writing, write anything. Mm. You don't know where and how you'll use it. Yeah. And that would be the only thing that would make me keep moving forward, was just to write drivel. <laughs> and yet, like you... There were two scenes that I had to end the book. I got to the point where in the middle I go, I got to figure out, I can't write anymore because I have to know how the story ends. And then I may be able to put the pieces together. So, you know, the story is about Jack and the Beanstalk, the, the beans that were the, the descendants of the magical beanstalk right. and how the giant is going to seek revenge because he, he never really died. He fell, but nobody ever found him. Yeah. And so he's back now to seek revenge on the beans for <laughs> creating the beanstalk. And so I had to do the final scene. And I also had to do a scene of, because they live in this magical world called Beantown, of how what was going on there while the two heroes, the hero and the heroine, were lost. And I remember just hearing your words over and over again, just right, just right, right. And I, I went through thinking all this self-doubt and hating what I was writing, saying this yeah, this is how I want the story to end, but it's, it's the form and the style. It's miserable. This is miserable. I don't know how I'm going to clean this up. And then when I read it the next day, it's what you said. It felt like somebody else wrote it, and it was okay. It, it, it becomes very strange. I mean, I, I mean, I've gone off on some tangents and, you know, four pages down, and you think, this, this don't work. And, and I never, I never ever throw it away. It, it's right. put somewhere safe, and somewhere, somewhere along the line, you say, "Well, I don't know. I've, got, I've got a thought about that." And I've, I've, I've written two, two other books, which haven't gone anywhere. One is set in 1974, and one is set in 1986, and and they're based on, on real cases that I was involved in as a police officer, fictionalized, very fictionalized now, and. Um, so the stuff that I, when I was writing the stuff in 1974, I was thinking, ah, that, 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 no, that's rubbish, and I'd go on, that's rubbish. But that stuff is now being picked up and placed into the 1986 book because it right. fits better. So right. somewhere along the line, you will use it. Um, Lord knows where. And, and you look at some of these people that, that write sort of historical novels or historical research into such and such, and you find that they've, they've suddenly got four books because the research they've done doesn't fit, and Anthony Beaver is, is, is one of them. He writes stuff on, on Stalingrad and, and all Second World War stuff, but obviously he's, he's, he's done stuff here, then he'll 
keep that and they'll put it in the next book and the next book and the next book. So all the research that you're doing will and the writing that you do will be used somewhere. You know, somewhere along the line you'll 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 pick that out and put it somewhere else and that's what I like about it because it's coming out of your head, it's 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 flowing onto the paper, somewhere you'll use it. And that that's that's I mean I've got stuff in drawers and, and all over the place where I filed it away thinking that'll come in handy somewhere. Maybe not not in this one. And and I won't try and make it fit, but I'll put it somewhere else. So that that that's kind of you know. You, and you I think that there's a part that you. Um, and I think we may have talked about. We must have. My my favorite book for the, for artists and the book that's helped me more than anything is Stephen Pressfield, who wrote the Legend of Bag of Ants. Yeah. And now he's written many many wars novels about the Spartan wars and the um, the Greeks mm-hmm. and He's the leading authority on on those wars now because of his years of research and writing the novels. And, you know, he says that you have to um, trust. He says you, you have to overcome the resistance and you have to do the work. Is the only way you're going to – you have to go to war it's because it's the war of art. You have to go to war with the resistance. And the resistance comes in, everything from – you know, alcoholism to drugs to uh, just depression to uh, anger to affairs, whatever. He says all things which are much easier to deal with than, than that blank page, but mm-hmm. you have to do the work and you have to let go, and then you have to trust that the muse yeah. will come. And the muse, not just in the terms of putting the words on the page, but in making miracles like getting published happen, like yeah. for you. Yeah. And that's, you, know, you've, you really enter the magical world. But to help the, the layperson that may be listening to the show, don't you feel like you talk about these people who, like yourself, you do, but there's something inside you, this intangible part we don't understand, that drives you to want to do that research? Yeah, yeah yes. Um, I think it, it helps if you are. Um, into the, into your subject matter, um, obviously that that that, I mean it, it would be very difficult for me to step out of that and and write about I don't know write a love affair or you know what they call chiclet I hate that thing but that sort of thing, I I I, I couldn't be I wouldn't be able to 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 write that sort of stuff so I you have to look at your niche what 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 do you know about what what do you like researching because if you start researching stuff you it becomes it becomes hard work, and and I, I hate hard work. <laughs> and <laughs> Don't we so all? If you, if you take if you take something that that you you know about you you enjoy reading, you, it it takes away the hard work out of it. And I'm I'm lucky that that be, because I I have World War One that I I'm 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 passionate about. Although Jane calls it obsessive. Um, I, I'm passionate about that that subject. I can write about it fairly easily, and the same when it comes to um, like the nineteen the, the the two books I've done subsequent to that, which which are about a policeman. I can write about that because it's kind of semi first hand. Um, so you, you you find that 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 if you've got your niche, it becomes easier, and you need to know what your niche is and what and then that that kind of transfers onto the page because people find it easier because you found it easier it, it translates onto the page um easier to read than than a hard difficult book 
that you've sweated all that. Um, um, I find right. that that you've trudged a lot through easier. that. You've tried to construct that. Your heart. So you're saying all of the things that you know that I believe in, you believe in, and hopefully for the person listening to this, they understand. You're talking about passion, aren't you? You're talking yeah, about your passion. If if you're not passionate about your subject, that will come out in your in your in your writing. Um, I, I firmly believe that. So if you if you, I mean, if you're picking something that you you really know interest in, but you'd like to write the story, the passion won't be there, and 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 that will that will translate onto the page. I, I, I firmly believe that. I mean, you 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 if you you mentioned Steinbeck before, you, you read anything of Steinbeck's, and the passion is there. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Steinbeck. He, the passion of his writing is just amazing you know so you he writes obviously he he set most of his novels in, in right about the same time so he's passionate about that time he's passionate about those people and that that comes across very 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 much in his writing um but if you if you haven't got that passion it's very difficult to translate that onto a page if you haven't well got and it. again you know you're trusting this invisible part of yourself aren't you yeah, I saw a quote by Ray Bradbury. He says, "Write what your intuition tells you, and then just your intuition will tell you what to write. Your job yeah. is to get out of the way." So there's, you know, what I've learned, and I truly believe in, is that there's a part of me that's physical, that's yeah. you know what we call three dimensional, and then there's an aspect of me I don't understand that yeah. when you start talking about channeling and. There's a spiritual aspect to me that's really driving the bus. Yeah. And 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 you can. A lot of people are asleep and they don't wake up to it and they ignore it or they don't trust it. Or they're and afraid of it. Afraid of it. Yeah. Very fearful because you you know I think people <laughs> have said the thing that we fear most is not failure but success. To find out yeah. that you really are a, a a type of god. You really are. And then, yeah. and that's why you know some kid who gets to be like Justin Bieber or, or, or a famous rock star, and you step onto a stage and there's a hundred thousand people waiting for you, and you are a god to them. Yeah. You know that's the time to start drinking and doing drugs and get yourself back down to what you know and and limit yeah. yourself. So exactly. Which is you know what I'm trying to. I'm, and I don't try to read, put words in your mouth or read it, but you're saying the same thing, aren't you? You're saying yeah. all along this journey was kind of planned out in the beginning. There was a master plan. You were supposed to write these these historical accounts, and you're supposed to write this novel. And what I you've so. done is really got out of the way of it and just followed your love and your passion. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, hopefully. Um, that passion translates, and that's what I'm trying to say is that that you 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 have a passion about a particular aspect, and and it takes away the hard work. Um, well, that, that, that something you inside you then motivates, and, and all the all the cogs mesh, and out it comes, and 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 it's 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 a a process that that yeah, in some way you're not even in control of. There you, know, you go. You exactly. You're not. You, you, you know. Let's talk about. You know. I, lately, I've been with, with that people. I say. Well, people say. Well, you know, we have free choice. I said. Oh, really? I said. Well, you. You uh, did you choose where you were born? And, you know, 
no. I said, when and how and where? No. I said, did you choose your parents? Well, no. Your siblings, your friends, the schools you went to? The No. I said, and when we check out of here, unless you decide to commit suicide, do you have a choice in that matter? Mm. They will know. And I said, now, here's the one I just stumbled on, and you, you said it a bit earlier. Then along comes a Jane. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It, it takes you on a different, a completely different course that you, you know. Right. We, do, we don't even choose who we fall in love. No, we can choose no. who we date, but we don't have a choice in who we fall in love with. No, you don't. Um, and it, 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 and it, it suddenly it, it took my life in a, in a completely different, different um Way um, that that I I no idea, no idea, and it, it we're what nearly twenty years down the line now that we've been we've been together and 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 it's still an amazing journey, you know. With, 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 and you know the and, fact that both of you are are authors, both of you speak, you know you have uh, I can feel the, the passion and the the caring that you both give to each other it comes out in your. Well, I'm fairly lucky because she's an international speaker, so I get to carry her bags. Um, we were in Spain um, well, last weekend. I'll weekend, tell you weekend what, my friend, after this book, you know, <laughs> I have this this bizarre talent that I take no credit for that I give to my higher self. Yeah. And um, it's that I can see where, I can look at people's talents and I can see the place where it will go. I have that vision. And, you know, I'm a comedian, and I, I worked in some of the major clubs in Boston, which turned out to be, for a 10-, 15-year period here, we produced here in Boston some of the international comedians. And I could yeah. see, I would go up to them and tell them that, you know, you'll be on The Tonight Show within a year. And they would look at me like I was out of my mind. And I've got so <laughs> many recorded, when the old days with the old recording, the, the recorders we had for phone calls, I've got these tapes that I saved, and, these comedians who are now national, international stars uh, say, how did you know? And I do know. And I'm going to go on record here and saying Reese's War will be a film. Reese, I see Reese as becoming a, a, a James Bond sort of character. He, um, he's fascinating. You know, he's got so many different facets. And, you know, people, he's a fabulous character that people are going to identify with. And I, I can't see this not being a, a film. Well, well, I, think, I, I hope Mr. Spielberg's listening. Um, no, <laughs> he, but well, like, you know, like, I mean, every... the thing that I relate to that I loved, and I haven't read the book, and yet you told me the book was, you know, Foster's, was um, Birdsong. And book. so, I mean, I, just reading the pages of this fabulous book, um, that, my God, you're you're, you're there. You know, you're, I mean, and parts of the book are extremely gruesome, and you yeah. know that came from obviously from all that research that you did. You I mean you know the battlefields? It 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 was, and 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 some of it, you know, genuinely did happen. Um, you know, like I put at, at the end, I tried to. Put at the end what what did happen and and who these people were um, in reality, you know like, like if if somebody was 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 shot or whatever, then if that was a real incident, then I would I would try to explain that yes that is a real incident that, and, and these were the people and this is where it happened, um, and try to make it so that 
the stuff I've got in my head um, as fiction comes from a real incident. You know, uh, I've, I've fictionalized a lot of it, um, even down to the guy, you know, who spent several days in a, in a trench wounded um, and to be stumbled across and that he was still there. Because if you think of, of, of a unit of 200 men, they would only have two stretchers. So, you know, they'd have four stretcher bearers with two stretchers. And you imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have got tickets to go to Thietval in France on the 1st of July. And if you think about the 1st of July over here, um, we lost 59,000 men killed, wounded or missing on that one day. Uh, most of them within the first two hours of that battle it started at half past seven in the morning and by two hours on most of those were killed wounded or missing had been done in that one day um, and and I'm I'm at Thiepval where it happened on the 1st of July this year um, which will be very emotive <laughs> for, for us to be there um, but if you so which we try to make it you know, we've got sort of lads in trenches that were, were hurt, and, and if if that's a real incident, I will put it there at the back of the book. Yes, this is a real incident, and this is the name of the guy that was portrayed in that in that particular thing. So I've tried to make it to give them the the, the recognition, even though it's fiction. You know, we right. try to tie the fiction and the fact together. Um, well, you know, the, I mean, again, so graphic, and especially. The scenes with the uh, use of gas as a weapon and, you know, what yeah. they had to do to try to defend against that and the horror of how sick they got, you know, and the torture that, you know, they, well, they received if they inhaled that stuff. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when I go into schools, um, I, I tell them, you know, about obviously 1915, that they didn't know what gas was. And um, the, when they saw this coming towards the trenches, they the... the powers that be were running up and down the trenches telling the lads to get their handkerchiefs out and wee on them. So yeah. when I go into school, so when I go into schools, I'll, I'll get my handkerchief out and get a kid standing up and I'll say, you can put this handkerchief on. Oh, by the way, I've just weed on that. And they look <laughs> as if to say, oh my God, you know. But that's what they did. And that, that was the first gas mask was a urine-soaked handkerchief thrown right. across their face. And the, the, the chemicals in, in the urine dissipated the gas in some way um, and then they got the gas hood and then they got the gas mask so it was a progression but yeah initially they we, we, we didn't have gas masks certainly on our right. side we, we didn't even know it was coming you know these, these weapons of mass destruction uh, we had no idea so right yeah, so you, and you, you just realise I mean I hope that you know books like yours because they're so graphic, and, and it was like the uh, Saving Private Ryan's. People saw, you know, they were so good at depicting the atrocities in that movie, right. and you hope it has impact on people to realize, you know, the folly of what we're doing to each other. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've never seen a film like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. Um, yeah. and I actually watched that in America. Um, I was in Florida at the time when I first saw that that film, so it was more because they were Americans on, on that beach, um, it was more graphic for them um, to, to see that. And it was and the most amazing cinema I think I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, that first 20 minutes of, of Private Ryan was just yeah, amazing. And, 
phenomenal film. You know, again, you talk about spirit making something happen, and you know those guys. I mean, they the toughness of those guys. I mean, you saw. I'm a city kid, a city kid in America, and you know, grew up in a, you know, in the in the in, in the ghetto virtually, and you know, and you just develop. And I saw how tough those guys were. I mean, yeah. they. They didn't have to. <laughs> well, I, I, I was speaking um, as, as Sergeant Godley a couple of months ago at a veteran's home, and um, I, I walked in. It was, they were they were blind veterans, and of course, I, I going up to them and letting them feel my uniform, you know, rather than anything else. So they were they were touching everything, and and it was fan, fabulous, fabulous. And these two guys came up to us afterwards, and blind, old men, blind, and they they, they said, thank you ever so much for coming. I said, oh, you're, you're welcome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, honestly, thank you. And these two guys really were thankful. They they couldn't say enough to me about it. And I said, thank you. And as they walked off, the nurse said, see the guy on the left? Yes. He landed on the beaches on the 6th of June. 1944. He's one of the first ones on the beaches, and wow. the guy on the other side of him was a was a submarine commander in World War Two. Wow. And these guys are thanking me for going there, right? Wow. And, and you just, well, I, I was gone. You know, the, the tears sort of oh, welled yeah, up in yeah, me. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. For them to say thank <laughs> you to me for what and what they've done. You know, these guys have landed right. on D-Day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was quite a, an emotive thing for me, and I'm I'm not usually, as Jane will tell you, I'm not, I'm not a very emotive person, you know. I, I don't I don't fill up very easily, um, but those. Of course, <laughs> of course, got me. Yeah, of course. Amazing. You know, I I speak to inner city schools, and when I see these letters of appreciation, these thank you letters of how my story, you know, may have shifted their whole perspective and their direction in life, uh, yeah, yeah, you can't. You know, and that's what I think, you know, as artists, you know, I I, I had this big epiphany watching the movie Ratatouille, and, yeah. um, and I said, you know, wow, there's something about this movie that goes beyond the story, and there's something that's giving me a feeling like only a Disney movie can give me, like... Yeah. Well, I felt as a kid when I watched Snow White, there was something magical yeah. that transformed. And so I watched the the extras that came with the DVD, and here is the restaurateur and the um, animator giving their reasons for doing their work. And they said, what are you trying to accomplish? And they said, we're trying to make, and both of them were filmed at different times and in different places, and they gave the same answer. We're trying to make an emotional connection mm. that will give... Mm. The, the, the patron of the, the restaurant, a feeling that only I, as the restaurateur, can give them. And the animator yeah. said the same thing. I'm trying to give the viewer a feeling that only I can give them. And when you go into these places and you connect and when you write your book, it's impossible to read your book and not get a feeling that only Tony Davies can give them. That was that was my hope. <laughs> and yeah, that, well, that was... It worked. The hope that, that <laughs> I started off with, um, and and it, it became a a journey of, of for me um, on on several levels really. Um, it was one getting this story out, and because I'd had it in my head for a while, 
but also to see whether I could actually do it. That that was the other the other benchmark for me is to see whether I could actually write a novel. It, it's all right writing something factual like the three books before are factual. They 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 are true. The facts are there, but to to drag something out of your own head and put it on paper and then have people read it. I mean, the, the worst thing somebody could have said is, you know, this is an absolute rubbish, you know. And so my my what I'm what I'm saying is that I think my first bad review on Amazon. Um, I don't know quite how I'll feel. <laughs> you know, you just yeah, I mean, yeah, in, your, not, in your mind that, that somebody's not going to like it. Um, yeah, you can't please out please everybody. So you no, gotta, and, but, and I've had several really fab- fabulous ones, but it's, it's when you get the knocks. That's, that's oh god, it's always the negative. Negative means more than than all the positives. So it's, uh, it's how you deal yeah, the with one heckler that, in the that, crowd is the guy that gets all the attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I think I'll be you on know. Valium then when when I get me first sort of yeah, review, whatever. You know, you just you know, <laughs> you, you really. Well, when you start believing in the things that we were saying, that it's your higher self doing all of this, you, you know, you start to say, "Too bad," you know. <laughs> yeah, you're lost. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's how we've got to look at it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Sergeant Reese. I mean, he, he you're saying he was a real character? No, no, um, no. He, he he's a he, he's a amalgamation of of the the. Sorry, who you, which one are you talking about? The one in the book? Yeah, the one oh. in the book. Yeah, he's an amalgamation of of several characters. Reese, he's he's. Um, Certainly, um, an amalgamation of, of of people that I've read about, um, and also what I've tried to do, I've tried to take away the the glamour of him by placing him in, as as being from a very small Welsh village, so he's not he's not as as um, cosmopolitan, perhaps he he should have been, so he's quite you know he's from a very small um, slate mining community of of, of Wales. Um, and then he's been put in the big city, so that's why he's he's got a sidekick as a, as every as every hero needs a sidekick who is more worldly wise. Um, so the two of them together um, can bat off each other. You know, I'm now, let me add, so are, you must be Welsh the way that you understood the language and the places. Yeah, are you Welsh? Yes, Welsh? I am Welsh. Yeah, oh, okay. I am Welsh. Now here's another question I have. I'm very curious. Do, do you have that command of would you learn the German? Um, well, that's kind of uh, somebody else. <laughs> I kind of oh, okay. put stuff to to somebody, and they they translated it for me. Oh, okay. So um, I mean, well, today the miracle is you can always use Google Plus. I mean, yeah, trans- yeah. But the trouble is, it doesn't get the nuances of the language. So um, right. you, you, it's like with the Welsh. Um, I've, well, what I've about you know? Again, I'm going to. It could be choppy here. I'm going to interrupt you because I've got so many questions. How about the the, the places, the locations in Germany? Are you that familiar with Germany? Not really. And you know, um, you know the streets. You know, I mean, if you don't know, you're certainly pulling off a fast one because it's so convincing <laughs> no, that no, there's I mean, districts and these uh, little shops. And how where'd that I, come from? Well, certainly the uh, Reese's home. Um, I know. Um, he, he's from a place called Blaise yeah, yeah. Um which which I do know. 
So Reese's home I know about. Um, I, I know the town. Um, I've been there several times. I, I, it's, you know, I know it. So I can, I can picture that place in, in my mind. Um, when it comes to where Gunter in, in Germany lives, um, I, I, I've been to Hamburg. I, I, not that I know it terribly well, but I know the feeling of the place. I know where the, the railway station is in regards to is where I think. I, although I haven't given him address, I know roughly where he lives. Um, but I have been to the railway station. So I can picture that railway station because it's still the same going back, um, reversing it back 100 years to how it would be when, when, when Gunter left Hamburg. Yeah, I mean, that, again, that was, you know, not only did you create a great character, but you created a, a great um, shadow figure for him living the same kind of life in Germany. You give, gave both sides, and which was fantastic because you just had empathy for, you know, nobody was really the enemy, even though there was enemy. And the parts where they actually meet, that, that part was bizarre. I mean, where did you get all of that stuff? Did that stuff kind of actually happen? That, you know, here's this war going on, and these guys are arranging meetings with their offices on the other side. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously the, the part where the, the senior officers meet, um, that never happened. Um, oh. I don't think we would get um, General Mulca and, and, and Kitchener ever meeting, which, which is the, the, what the, the book was about is, is, is that. And, and the, the, what, what we're talking about is a conspiracy theory around the death of Lord Kitchener over here. Um, Lord Kitchener was killed in 1916. He was the guy on the very famous poster over here. You've probably seen it over there. Your country needs you. He's, right. he's, he's the guy, whenever you look at that poster, that he's looking at you and pointing at you. It's, it's right. probably the, ba the greatest ever um, advertising campaign ever produced. Right. And so he, he, he was killed in 1916 going to Russia. And the conspiracy theory around it is that, that did his ship accidentally hit a mine? Did we try and bump him off? Or did we tell the Germans where he was so that they could bump him off? So that's a conspiracy. If you think of uh, conspiracy around Princess Diana. Right. You know, that, that's, you know, there's a conspiracy theory around how she died. Conspiracy theory around how Kitchener died. So we've introduced that. Although we know that Kitchener did die on that date, on that ship, in that place, I've kind of elaborated a, a, a gone down a, a road that that is fiction to put him in places where he couldn't possibly have you know, really have been. Um, well, how about, okay, that's okay. But then you had um, the meeting in Paris. You had uh, Gunther and Reese meeting. Yeah. Paris, and that was when did that kind of thing go on? I don't think there was that much fraternisation. The only time that we really know that, obviously, that the the, the Germans and the British met was Christmas Day, nineteen fourteen. Right, that's fabulous story. Right, and it, it, I mean they did meet. It, that that they did get out their trenches. They did go and meet. Um, there was a football match, a football game. Let's, there was a kickabout, and that this this football game has taken some mythical. 
proportions these days. You know, you think of a referee and, and, you know, linesman and international. They had a kickabout. That was without doubt. But it was more important that they got out, they met, they swapped stuff. They swapped cigarettes and and food and, and bits of kit, you know, buttons and photographs and stuff like that when they met out there in, in, in 1914. So other than that, the chances are that the British and Germans didn't really meet after that. So the meeting between Gunter and, 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 and Reese is, is, is fictional. And I don't have any, any evidence that, 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 that ha- anything like that happened. Having said that, it could because they're both police officers. Sure, sure. The same thing. We we don't know what the government would allow and would would not allow. You know, right. so it, there is a a chance that that if if the same thing was happening in Germany as was happening over here, then you know, would they allow it? I don't know. It's possible. You know, right. so 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 let let let's show both sides. What I tried to do show both sides of the coin that that, that although we were at war with the Germans there was still they were police officers and as a police officer that cuts through everything and even if you know i go when i was a bobby and even now go to america or go to germany or whatever and say i'm a police officer to a police officer you're immediately friends it's, well it's you a, know that a, that part really stuck out in the book when you talked about the brotherhood there is there is a brotherhood um of of police officers it's 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 kind of like no other occupation, if you will, and it, it's the same no matter where you go. You know, you you have the same because you're dealing with the public. And I remember my my um, my my the first police officer that looked after me when I was a young, brand new police. He said this would be a great job if it wasn't for the public. <laughs> and, and and it's it's true because you're dealing with the public the whole time. And no matter what the public is, it could be, you know, China, Japan, Russia, America, here. It's just the same stuff. So we, we, we have kind of an affinity, all police officers do. Um, and um, that, that came across between Gunter and Reese. You know, that they, they, they are first and foremost police officers. After that, they'll be soldiers, you know. And after you know that, that... You know, and that's what... Uh... You know, when I read the book and knowing you and the conversations we've had in the past, I mean, you couldn't have written, nobody could have written this book that wasn't a policeman because you just understood the whole process. And what was fascinating in the book is that, okay, as, he, as a soldier, he's one thing. Yeah. But the fact that he now is allowed to use his skill set, and all of a sudden he goes from being a victim to more of a not so much predator but certainly a hunter. Yeah. He 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 he's no longer uh totally at the whim of the war and everything else. He becomes he stands out as as a real protagonist, as a real he, somebody. He reverts to type. I mean, you know, as as Bobby's we we have several layers um and and it's very easy for us to revert to type um, as, as a police officer. And that, that's kind of what Reese did, kind of what, what Gunter did as well, um, was become a police officer. And um, and once you're in that guise as a police officer, um, 
it doesn't matter who you're with. If that person is German or whatever, they go into that role, you have an affinity with them. And, and, right. and, and it works. It just works. Yeah, exactly. Now, again, I'm seeing, I'm using my instincts on this. I can see Reese having, uh, I can see this on Netflix or, you know, maybe it won't be a two-hour movie. Maybe it's going to be, I just watched uh, the second episode, second season of uh, Happy Days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, here in the States, you know, great, have you, uh, you must be familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great flick. And again, you get to see the life of a police woman who, you know, you get to see it isn't all glamour, boy, by any means. Mm. Especially the second season. You know, she's at the end when she says, "Ah, oh, shit, what a week." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. talk about irony. You mean and happy under- Valley, don't you? Yeah, Happy Valley. That's it. Not Happy Days. Yeah. I'm sorry. Happy yeah. Valley. Oh shit! And she's what a week. I think what an understatement. Well, that, I mean, everything. I mean, I, I watched it. Jane watched that. Um, recently, and she said, you've got to watch it. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll watch it. Because I don't really like cop shows. Um, I don't, I'm not really a great one for watching cop, because I, I look at the mistakes, I, and I see the mistakes. That wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. But that one just had me riveted. She. Oh, yeah. She was me. Yeah. Um, some of the things she said, some of the things she did, and, and Jane said it as well. She said, I can see you in that role. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she she just takes no crap from anybody, but is very well respected by her, her, her underlings and whatever. And I love the bit when they were trying to say, well, you know, what is my, um, I've got a nickname, what is it? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure I had one, you know, but nobody yeah. would tell me to my face what it was. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> but yeah, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, and, she... Uh, I don't think... I believe Sarah Lancashire's not going to do another one. Really? Think, yeah, she, she. apparently somebody said that she doesn't want to do another series, um, which is tragic. Um, yeah. I think that, that there is definitely room for another one there, but she, she apparently that's what she said, but I don't know, perhaps somebody can wave a few more quid in front of her face and she might do it. Because she is just superb, and when you think oh, because but, but, she's uh, she's everything that you would think that a, a star is not. You know, she's she's attractive, but she's not you know captivating. Yeah, she's absolutely. she's just an everyman. She's an every I mean, she's the the archetype, archetypical uh, police woman. You know. Yeah, and and she's northern as well, and and you know if you think about Britain, kind of is cut in two. Um, we've got the south and we've got the north. And she's northern, um, takes no prisoners. You know, she, she's straight. She's straight down the line. She says what she thinks, and that that tends to be a northern trait. And and I mean, when you think about Sarah Lancashire, she was in a, a one of our soaps here called Coronation Street for years, and the transformation in in that character or that person to see her in 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 Happy Valley is just amazing. Yeah, well, same she, with James uh, Norton. Same with James Norton. I mean, he was he was in. Um, oh, what, what, he was. Yeah, he was in Downton Abbey. Boy, did he uh, did he blossom in that thing. And also, he was he was in War and Peace. Uh, oh, is that right? It's been on here, which was just amazing. And and he's in a thing called um, Grandchester, which he, where he plays a vicar. 
I mean, really? major characters. So yeah, it's it's really really good. So yeah, that 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 Happy Valley was just amazing. Absolutely, man. I'm really pig sick now that it's finished. Yeah, you know, I may go back and rewatch the first episode because I think I've forgotten a lot. But yeah, it's a uh, I'd recommend it. But so I see Reese. I really do. I, I got a feeling he's going to pop up. Um, you know, I, I really think that if you, um, you know, you embrace that thought that he he comes away when you read this, and, you know, I really recommend to everyone who's listening to pick up the book because you like this guy. Yeah, he, he, he's he's got no frills about him because he's from, you know, he, he's got, He's from the sort of North Wales slate area of, of North Wales, so he's he's got no um, city slicker thing about him, um, and he, he's he's quite naive in some in some ways um, of, of of stuff. So he, he's got this innocence about him that I kind of like, but it, it's an innocence he's losing because of the war. So it's it's a different sort of. Um, the innocence he's losing is because of the violence he's seen. He's now a sergeant. He's in charge of lads. He's lost lads in in, in the front line, so he's losing that innocence um, in a dramatic way. And um, as I think they all probably did, as they as they went through that terrible war. Not that any war is very nice, but um, he's losing that that innocence about himself. But he's he's got his psychic day, James who is streetwise, who is right. on, almost on the other side of the, the, the law and has been on the other side of the law. So he's got that yin and yang, if you will, of, yeah. of, of stuff. So the, there is the other side that he can, he can look at. So, but he's, he's, just to let you know, he's, he's confronting um, suffragettes next. Just thought I'd tell oh, you that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was, boy, that must have got Jane going. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's it's really getting it going, and, and sort of um, particularly because we're looking at sort of an attitude of of um, anti not anti women, but certainly anti suffrage, women's suffrage. Um, right. So we, you know, I'm coming down saying this and that to Jay, and she's what? I hope it's a little It's great fun. I, well, I, I have I, the. I just throw out the little baited hook, and she she bites oh, you know, every I, time. I, you know. I, I threw her a little bait last week when one of her posts about the uh, how she 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 labeled it from treasure to uh, trash or something, talking oh, about yeah. Yeah. about airline travel yeah, and uh, and I had labeled it. I had noticed it, and that's why I find an affinity with you and Jane is. Um, you know, and I know someday we'll meet and have a great time. Um, but I, I called it what was once a luxury, from luxury to drudgery, <laughs> and, uh, and it, which happens with so many things. For example, cell phones were at one oh. time a luxury, and now it's it's, it's a drudgery. I mean, it's, absolutely, it's your life. Absolutely. Same with air travel; it was a luxury and it's a drudgery. And uh, so I took a shot and I told her, you know. <laughs> I alluded did, to the fact she did when women it, dropped so. their standards, the whole damn universe went to hell. Oh. When all of a sudden dress and propriety and manners and etiquette 
on the female end because men are just pigs anyway. I'm not going to defend men in any case. We, we're content. We, actually, when women decided to drop that, they just made it easy for us to be slobs. Yeah, and that's absolutely. what you've got is a whole. You've got slobs everywhere yeah. now. Well, but, I mean, I. I I tend to, I I came home the, a couple of months ago now and 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 I and actually I went into a shop and I said I went into the shop and a lady was behind me so I I hold the door for her and she said she looked at me and she she said you don't have to do that because I'm a woman and I thought right okay no I, I said no sorry love I I didn't I did it because I'm a gentleman. And I yeah. walked off and I thought hang on I've just been slapped in the face for being polite. Uh, you got rebuked for being. Chivalrous and a gentleman, and, polite, yeah. and, and, and it wasn't a case of of that was how I was brought up. I was brought I up. By I, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, I lived through it here in America, and I am so sad that it we exported that crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's, it saddens me to think that England has that, Britain, UK has that crap too. I got to tell I, you, I, I I met my shadow figure. This. Uh, Mirror figure, New Year's Eve, I went to entertain, and uh, Jean Gal came up to me and got enamored by what I had done on stage and kind of threw herself at me. And when she found out the difference in age, she said, well, maybe I have to go out with an older man. She says, you know, I just broke up with a guy who wouldn't open the door for me. She said, it was during a blizzard. And I said to him, you're not going to open the door for me? And he said, he looked at me in a sarcastic way and said, what, were you born in the 40s? And she says, I snapped back at him. And I said, no, but I wish I was. She says, you know something? I don't blame the guys for this. So I blame the women. She says, oh, what? They, they couldn't open the door for us? You found that offensive? She said, did you look at me? She says, you know something? I like to cook. She said, will you tell me, explain to me, what is wrong with cooking a meal for the man you love? And then she says, and get the latest one. They hit on us. Oh, my God. <laughs> they hit on us. She says, what do you think they're supposed to do? How do you think civilization got this far? Exactly. Exactly. And there's a woman who feels deprived now because of all of this silliness. Yeah, it, I mean, it was politeness and, 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 and respect and stuff like that was drummed into me by my, my mum and dad. Um, it, it, you know, even down to... Oh, yeah, right, it, and now we're ridiculed for it. Yeah, if, I, if I'm walking down the street, I always have to walk on the outside of my mum, you know, on right. the roadside of the pavement. Yep. Yep. You know, and stuff like that. And this stuff was drummed into me, you know, and I yep. hold the door open for them and, yep. and stuff like this was drummed into me. And I, I can't break that cycle. And, Why and would we when, want I, to? when I was a police officer, we, we had to change from saying during like riots or whatever, change it from um, a five-man unit to a five-officer unit. And I, I kind of could never do that, you know, because it, it was drummed into me, and it wasn't a sexist thing, you know, it was just conditioning that I couldn't break out of. And why you know, would and, we want I to? I, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. You know, well, what, and again, what what is the benefit? And so, Jane writes this article, and we see the result of it, yep. of where it led. And now everybody's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, some of her some of her articles are, are, are blogs are just amazing. They, they, I mean, Jane writes. I mean, her writing is 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 she writes in sort of blog sizes, and that's her her form of writing. 
and the, she's just amazing at it. Um, I can't. I, I she can say in in two words what I have to put in a whole sort of paragraph. You know, so she 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 can condense her thoughts very succinctly. I I can't do that. I don't have that ability um, to to do it. But then again, I you know I I got four books. She's only got two, so I don't like to play. I love I that. I don't like to play. You know, it's so funny that comes out in some of the posts, and it's a great little rivalry. I think it's fantastic. But, but, she, but she does have two CDs, so I suppose I suppose I have to kind of you know I have to put my hands up to that, you know. But yeah, it's it's but here it's just so funny because we we do have this 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 rivalry going and and um like today you know being on your show um all oh, right on the radio way right okay you know <laughs> well oh it's funny it really I do have funny. another let's get back to Reese a minute there was a uh, scene you read so beautifully which enticed me to to get into the book i have to tell you the the prologue was really difficult for me because i because i'm not british I don't, yeah. and, you know, we're not schooled or trained, and you know, we we understand a lot of, you know, British history, but you know, I didn't the specifically on the war, so I had real trouble with the, you know, the 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 prime minister at the time and the cool. generals. And, yeah. you know, I actually made notes. I actually drew a chart, right, <laughs> to uh, to keep all the characters. So I I, I just want to give a warning to the reader that it's. Um, in fact, I'm looking at what I <laughs> The uh, prime minister was Asquith. Um, yeah. Vaughn Nash is his assistant. Kirch, Earl Kitchener is the secretary of Kitchener is the secretary of state. David Lloyd, George, Sir William Robertson. I yep. mean, this thing yep. was driving me well, crazy. I was in a history class, <laughs> which, which was great. Gallipoli, uh, is that how you pronounce Gallipoli? Is it Gallipoli? Gallipoli yeah. Or, yeah. You know, and all of these Captain Oswald, Fitzgerald, um, you know, all of these this uh, this stuff was just, you know. But once I got past that, the story becomes so engrossing. And uh, again, this likability. Now there was a scene when you read to me. I got to figure this out. Excuse me for interrupting, but where the 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 case of the chicken in the farmyard and is that that actually that that was told to me by my grandfather. Um, my grandfather told me that story um, that um, his friend went out and that actually happened and my grandfather related that story to me and wow. so I thought that, that's got to go in no, know, do, it, was that a meeting between Gunther and Reese or no no that, that oh, was, wasn't. That was okay, a, I kept I got confused on that I kept waiting for them to, for that t- to tie back no that was just two soldiers who two, yeah two soldiers okay um, it's a beautifully it's, written piece. It's beautifully, I mean, so vivid. You could see the the field. You could see the farmhouse. You could see, you know, the trees, etc. You, you just what, now when those moments of great description came to you. And in fact, I was looking at one of them before we went on the air. You talked about the rhododendrons and things like that. What in the courtyards? I mean, yeah. where did that come from? Um. Well, it's a view that that that, that I would have of of the French French court. I mean, I've, I've been over to, obviously been over to France, so so you, you, it's a view of a French courtyard um, with with all those flowers, like like a, a chateau in France, and they they have beautiful flowers around them. So 
it, it was a, a thought of what, what a chateau in France would look like, which is where they set up their, um, their headquarters. Uh, the British set up their headquarters in chateaus all over sort of northern France. So they, they, they would take over these, these beautiful, beautiful buildings um, well behind the line so they didn't get that much damage from sh- shell fire. Um, and they had these beautiful gardens. So it was, it was a case of looking at, at a chateau that I've, I remember having been in France years ago and then, then relaying that onto the page. Yeah, beautifully done. It was fascinating to me, too, also to realize the difference between World War One and World War Two that Germany didn't capture all of France. They only got, like, you know, certain sections. So, you know, yeah. Paris was spared and, and all of that. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't get to Paris in, in, in the First World War. Um, yeah, and, Pos- and, and a lot of the countryside was spared, et cetera. So, fasc- you know, and the other I mean, thing the West, that's fascinating is that during this time of destitution and war, that yet these elegant, still fantastic meals were being prepared and shows yeah. and, yeah. you know, life went on. Life went on in, in a lot of, of France. I mean, it, but certainly the Western Front, if you, um, the Western Front, Belgium to Belgium, I mean, that place was decimated. I mean, it, it was hammered. Um, villages had disappeared completely. But, but the further sort of away from the fighting that you went, um, they largely unscathed. Um, yeah. In in some parts of it, um, yeah, fascinating. Had, yeah, it was just amazing. Um, there you know, was the, a thing the, on TV only... not long ago, a guy had flown an air balloon, an airship o- over the Western Front in the 1920s, and still the villages. You could see the roads, and the villages were just rubble. Wow. Throughout the Western Front, it was wow. just an amazing piece of film. Wow. Um, just just decimated. Um, the whole areas were just blown to pieces, and and it, like I said to kids today, um, if anybody goes to northern France and you see a piece of metal in the ground, please don't touch it. Amazing. <laughs> there are millions of shells unexploded all wow. over the place, all over northern France and southern wow. Belgium. You just wow. don't touch them. You know, so, so uh, farmers will find so them. We can look them back at this how senseless, and you do that so well in the book. Well, I tell you, I, I, I love these conversations, and, you know, I know that our connection is part of those one of those dots that mm-hmm. is meant to be. And as I said, there were so many nights when I sat here, and <laughs> I was going, I mean, I, I, I just would sit here dreading the fact yeah. that I had this blank screen and that I had to write these scenes, and I heard Tony Davies saying to me, write <laughs> anything, and then horrified when I looked at it later, and going, my God, it, whoever wrote this, or whatever was writing this, because I was writing blindly, yeah. and, and, and my intellect, my rational part of myself, was doing all of the things that happen to a writer, that what I read about with the doubt, and the c- criticizing, saying, this is actual garbage, why are you writing this? And then you look a couple of days later and you go, wow, you know, what happened here? Yeah. You know? Um, So, I mean, just fantastic. I'm so thrilled that you're going to work on the second one because you want to find out how this guy, you want to find out how his marriage goes. I think that, um, you know, the romantic part of this is great. Yep. And, 
you know, so I, I really do see him as as a great great character that will have his own his own shows. Well, fingers crossed. He's you know, he's, he, I mean, we what we're trying to do. We we've got you know this this window of of everything's happening a hundred years ago um, now, and of course you you Americans don't come into it until next year. Right. They do eventually get to us. Um, next year, in 1917, you, you'll declare war on, on, on Germany. So you'll have your 100 years celebrations then. Right. Uh, although quite a few Americans did come over uh, and, and right. fight with right. us early on. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating how, how things will, will move now. I think we, as right. we progress through the war, um, things will change for him. Hmm? Well, again, um, it's a joy on my... Battery is speaking to me. It's starting to whistle here. Then we're so I'm okay. going to lose the phone in a second. But Tony, great. Let's uh, let's do this again soon. I'm going to challenge uh, to a little sparring with Jane on feminism, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if we if well, we can bait her into a, a, a friendly tete tete. Uh, and uh, and still come away friends. <laughs> yeah, just, just say the word and she'll she'll be there. <laughs> Fantastic. Tell her I said hello. You know, give the dog a pat for me. I and will keep do. on writing. It's so much fun uh, to develop this friendship and to see your progress. And, you know, we're examples. You know, I mean, you're right. I sit here going, I mean, I'm in the editing part, so it's not completely done. But I wrote a novel. I yep. wrote a novel like you did in four months. And you wake up one day and you go, it's done. You wait till you see it published and your name on the front of it. No, it's, I know. It, there's no feeling quite like it. I bet. Well, thank you again, Tony Davies, author, a historian, ex-policeman, you know, great guy, uh, actor. Mm-hmm. Check him out. And what's your, what's your page, your, your website page? Uh, me. Okay, and the book is R-H-Y apostrophe S, war. Uh, yeah, and R-H-Y-S apostrophe S, war, Reese's war. <laughs> 